Let's spread a song so you can sing along with my special guest star too. For two, you like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me are two very special guests who were on the Moulin Rouge episode. They are the band Crimson Calamity and host their own podcast, The Lighter Notes. It's Mallory True. Oh, crap. I'm going to mess up your name. Mallory Trunell and Lauren Harding, everyone. I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, I see your name on my it's thing. an odd one it is and not a typical name so it's perfectly fine <laughs> and i'm just my brain was like nope we, we we're not gonna we just see letters at this point it's, all good. <laughs> it's december we are all in the zone of just let it be that's how mm-hmm. i feel yeah we're recording this month and a ad- month ish in advance so um but we're here to talk about <laughs> Les oh, Mis, <wow>. everyone. <laughs> the epic that is Les Mis. Um, Les Miserables. I... It was terrible. It was terrible French. Mallory, you say it. Les Miserables. <laughs> Les le, le Miserables. Nope. The Miserable. It's The Miserable, everyone. Oh, yes. Yeah. I and, um... I forgot this movie came out uh, 2012. 2012. I was just like, I felt like it was later. You know what yeah, I mean? Like it seems like it was like fourteen or fifteen, but it right, but no, it it, it tricked us. Uh, <laughs> the screenplay was by William Nicholson, Elaine. Al- oh fuck! Alain <laughs> uh Claude Michel Schoenberg, and Herbert Kretzmer, based on the stage musical by all um, Alain Boublio. Cl- Claude Michel Schoenberg and Victor Hugo, who wrote the novel. Who wrote the novel, right. Mm-hmm. Music by Claude Michel Schoenberg. Lyrics by Herbert Kretzmer, the English version, uh, which is what this movie is. Directed by Tom Hooper. And according to IMDb, in 19th century France, Jean Valjean, who for decades has been hunted by the ruthless policeman Javert after breaking parole, agrees to care for a factory worker's daughter. The decision changes their lives forever. That's an interesting way of... Condensing two and a half hours? I feel like it's so much more than that. So it's just interesting, an interesting way of like Even the paraphrasing. description on IMDb didn't get it right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, let's let's uh, let's also gloss over the fact that the French Revolution is happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like... Like, fuck, fuck everything else. Love Jean Valjean, and well, you know, so funny because Jean Valjean is definitely like the center of the plot, but it's also such an ensemble piece. You know, like yes, it's the entire cast of Les Mis that makes it the epic that it is on stage. And um, yeah, choices were made, and I know I for one have. I mean, many I, opinions. Well, I do too. I think I think that Mallory and I might differ on some of our opinions, which is fine. Um, I feel like. Starting off, it was well shot. I do think that yes. it was well shot. Think that the acting, for the most part, was well done. But for the I, I, so this was like kind of my I, my thought. Like in the theater, so like with musical movies. So in the mm-hmm. in a theater, you're basically getting a mid shot. That's when you go see a show in the theater, and. Right. What makes musical movies different is the addition of, like, you know, being able to have up-close shots or, you know, kind of, like, sweeping vista shots, which um, Hooper is great at doing, I feel like, in this movie. Um, but I I don't know. I mean, I definitely don't agree with some of his, his director directing choices. But I think, like, you know, having, having shots, like... So... I may have opinions about how the performance was executed in this specific <laughs> shot, but I think like making the choice to do a close up for I Dreamed a Dream with Anne Hathaway, like that was an interesting choice as a director. And I feel like, you know, it, it, as far as like the impact was there, but yes. I just have my own, um, have different, different opinions about how the performance was executed in that particular scene. But well, it felt like 
to continue with the talking about like the cinematography of it all, yeah. it felt like nobody was in the center of the frame. It was always to the left or to the right. And yes, I don't know how I felt about that personally. It's a very modern. The filmmaking is very modern. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a problem with the filmmaking being more modern. And I do agree with you, Lauren. I think that the epic shots of like the revolution itself and like, you know, the flags and when um, the battles are happening, things like that. I think that they were very successful. I think that the cityscapes of Paris are absolutely gorgeous, but I don't understand the need for fisheye lenses and steady cam zooms that go up Hugh Jackman's nose. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and maybe the, like, not so the much. Dutch angles and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't need any of that in yeah. Les Mis. Well, because yeah. we, you know, um, I think like it's you, supposed to look like almost a like gorilla style, and I think that's what they were kind of going for. Uh, like the camera's never steady, or the actor's never steady in like the frame. Like they're in the moment. Like my, it's, you know, that's my main issue with the film. My main issue with the film is that. This is a story that takes place during the French Revolution. It is a period piece. Mm-hmm. And we wanted, to, we wanted to use edgy filming tactics. And I feel that Mr. Hooper, you know, to his credit with his... It's the same thing that I feel about other modern musicals. It can be visually stunning, but this is not a... This is not Rent. This is not Tick, Tick, Boom. This is not a modern musical, in my opinion, that you take edgy filming risks with. This is something where you honor the time period that it takes place in. You go epic, but you there's a formula that works with movie musicals, and this was completely ignored, and I right. don't think it was successful. Like right off the bat, the uh, you get the opulence of the whole movie with oh, them pulling that ship, and you're like, "What is what? this?" Yeah, right. Like I, I know I um I believe that's actually what's supposed to happen in like the show and everything. I've never really seen it. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> oh, you should watch. I think you can watch the yes, the 25th are, anniversary. You are the, correct. Yeah. They're working on a dock. Yeah. So, but like there are moments where I agree with you both. The opulence of like the fact that now it's a movie and not a stage version. I felt like hindered what was happening. Interesting. Um, you know it there. Uh, there are moments where it worked and there are moments like the beginning where I was just like blown away by like this big, big ass ship that they're hauling. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what am I, what, what, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I think the, the fatal flaw, unfortunately, more so than the modern filmmaking techniques for me too, was the choice that was made to have the actor sing live. Yes. And to orchestrate after really? the fact. That's my biggest I think that issue. that was the dagger that made the movie not as successful as it could have been. Because I actually think had they had the actors do their performances and track to their performances ahead of time, um, there's just a dullness to the orchestration in certain parts and it's and the the mixing of the vocals is not consistent because it's live. I mean, that's the risk that you take when you do things live and I can appreciate the effort and the desire that might have been, the intention that might have been behind having the actors sing live. I just feel like it falls it makes the the music fall flat and um because the nature of this the show is so sad already And the book is so sad. Um, You know, God bless Anne Hathaway for acting her way through I Dreamed a Dream the way that she does and Hugh Jackman for crying his way through Who Am I? But there's like 17 songs like that. And you're going to lose your audience at a certain point if it's always the same approach. Well, and then also I I would say too, like if, if all the actors were strong singers that that would have been different but there were some less just than strong it. singers just, just and say it just, just say, say his it. name just say his well name. i mean there's a few but i would say you know the one that has been talked about the most is obviously russell crowe because there's russell, so no so much of his performances were alongside hugh jackman who is a showman you know what i mean like he's right. a, a talented he's he's done you know a lot of theater he's a talented singer talented performer and so to have him <laughs> in scenes with Russell Crowe, who's like trying real hard and and not succeeding, <laughs> it was it, it's jarring 
And I know that Javert is not supposed to be this likable character, but it, he makes it even worse because... It is a vocal part, though, <laughs> right? Like, it's written to be sung by a vocalist. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that's the problem, again, that I have with a lot of modern musicals is we're casting names, not vocalists. And... Right. But there are there are names who are also vocalists, i.e. Hugh Jackman. Yeah, and Anne Hathaway's and, a good vocalist, and Hath- too. Anne Hathaway, She's a good yeah. singer. But... Uh, you know, I, I just, I feel like there are some singers, I mean, I love Amanda Seyfried and I think she did a great job in Mamma Mia, but in this movie, it's painful. A little too high for her. <laughs> it's a little goaty. <laughs> like when she says in my life, you're like, oh, oh, that's so high. <laughs> that's... It's just not. Yep. I literally sent Lauren basically sound bites yesterday <laughs> this movie in a nutshell um i said let me see if i can find it live singing equals a shit result amanda seyfried equals a goat i mean i understand i I get why they wanted to do the live singing because it's an opera basically and it's not the first time it's been done no and i do like you said like it's like almost all of the dialogue is sung so if you're like lip lip syncing all of the dialogue it makes it easier for the actors to be in the moment to be singing it live and everything but they could have had them overdub all all of it (laughs) or like go back and fix like adr it in a is that what you mean by overdub like go back and like but i also just feel like they could have tracked it it is it is a sung show so they could have tracked it and you can still act to what you're tracking, mm-hmm. you know? And if it does end up off, you'd be... Musicians do that in music videos all the time. And <laughs> that's, I think that's what the problem is, because going back after the fact and having the orchestra have to do that job, mm. the tempos are all over the place, the mm-hmm. the levels of the orchestrations, like, there's moments where it's so beautiful. Like, I feel like the beginnings of all the songs, like, at the end of the day, is, like, so gorgeous at the beginning, and then it, like, goes... It's like so a train wreck. Do, do you know for a fact that the orchestration did that after? Because I know that they had earbuds in with the music, and that's yeah. what they were singing to, so I wasn't sure if the orchestra... If all of the they orchestration had, had been to done... something, but it's pretty obvious to me... That it wasn't, like, a full orchestration. Things, they tried to fix it with the orchestration rather than having the vocalists. Yeah. From what I remember, they only had, like, a pianist, a piano yeah. player... Play oh, into there, yeah. It's so pretty clear that more music was done after the fact. I feel like to kind of agree with you both, they should have treated it as if it was going to be a stage version then, where they had like a sits probe with the where the cast and orchestra got together to be like, this is the timing. Like, right. yes, feel your moment. Will the conductor will play along with you, but like, this is the timing. Like, this is yeah. what we have to do. Yeah, Maybe that would have worked. Yeah. Although, I, when I was watching it for this, I did have the idea of, like, what if I Dreamed a Dream had acapella, like, more acapella moments? That would have been cool. Mm-hmm. Like, that first bit before she before she gets to like the chorus yeah. was all acapella. That I would I feel like that would have been like a great like I know you want it to be recorded, but like if they were going to record live right. on camera, that would have been a great moment. And have a moment like. where maybe you blend it and you don't really notice that it goes from her singing acapella and live into like, They tried the that. Swells. That's what they tried. But I feel like it would have been better if it was acapella longer. Um, yes. And then the music slowly was introduced into it, and mm-hmm. we get the swell of the music and everything. I mean, music just adds such a different element to it, and um, it's not as easy as it may seem to go back after the fact and try to fix something rather than setting it up from mm-hmm. the jump, you know, in a way that you know is going to be successful. And that's what I mean by, like, musicals have had a formula that is successful for a really long time. It's not that, you know, and and again, like, I feel like if it was a Spring Awakening or something like that, that was a film, then maybe these edgy techniques might work because the music lends to that. Yeah. Right, the music doesn't lend to that. With like no, this. yeah. I mean, I do think that, like, 
I guess kind of going back to like how they can do things like close-ups and like you can't things you can't do in the theater. Mm-hmm. I think that that's sort of where their minds were at. Was like, okay, well, this can't be done in the theater this way. So let's take the opportunity to do it this way because we we have the it, but yeah, you have to execute it well. A mm-hmm. B. You're gonna piss off a lot of people who are big fans of the show. That's who the that's thing, who's coming right? to see it. You know what I mean? The right. Coming to see this were unless it's done unless it's done so well that you're like, wow, I can appreciate these two different ways of doing it. Right. And, you Which know, is why it, I feel like if either the visual was more consistent and successful, but more importantly, the music was if the music was cohesive, that would tie it all together and it would make those the epic filmmaking choices probably work better. Mm. I I will say, though, I do feel like the film's energy and emotion is is very strong in this in this film. It's and very it, depressing. It is very depressing. But, it, but I think that, you know, it helps lend the musical to the screen because of the way that they conveyed the emotion. Because you're not, that's not always something that, I, I don't know, I just think they did a really good job with that. It's and a sad story. So. It is. Oh, yeah. It's called the Miserables. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah literally. It's, but I mean, um, but it works. I feel like it works because it's held together emotionally through all of like the interwoven storylines, and then eventually through the uprising, and it's it's very like cohesively done in that one. And, and then at least we get sing, and I wanted it to stop. <laughs> but then we also get like the Tenardiers as like the comic relief, which is like you need that. Yes, okay, and they did they did a great job, and I actually think that Helena Bonham Carter, obviously Sasha, kind of is like stealing the scene, stealing the show a little bit, but she did a lot. If you watch her, she is brilliant. She's got I mean, layers. Yes, she's, yeah. Where. Where, like, they're obviously scamming everyone and everything every second that they're there. But there's moments where I kind of felt like, like, when um, Jean Valjean buys little Cosette, I feel like, you know, I saw, like, a glimpse of her actually being upset about that. You know, Mm. like, losing her. But, like, not in a emotional sense, more so probably, like, oh, we we don't, we're we're down one person in this con. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they were great, and they were both in the uh, Sweeney Todd movie. I was so just was gonna great. say, why are Mrs. Levitt and Pirelli in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, because Johnny Depp couldn't do it. <laughs> uh, but have you seen the stage version at all? Like, yes. yes, I haven't. I actually haven't seen it in person, but I did watch the 25th anniversary production Which, of it. A few. Of- I was oh, sorry to interrupt, but I was going to say a few of the schoolboys were in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, different parts or they reprised their roles, but it was like, oh, fascinating. That is one thing I will say as like um, a yay for the film is Aaron Tivet. Oh, yeah, Aaron Tivet. Sarah, what's her name? The girl that plays Eponine is great. Oh, yeah. Is it Sarah? What is her name? Um, I thought she would be in other things right after here. that Hang movie, on. but I haven't really seen her run. All I remember is her waist was like um, super so skinny. Tiny. It looks like Samantha. Samantha. Samantha, Samantha Barks. Barks. Yeah, she's incredible. Her waist like looked uh, like ungodly tiny. I I was just watching it like. How so, does like, she stand up on that way? <laughs> I yes, I know that I've read that like Anne Hathaway went on a diet of only carrots to lose weight, and then um, that. I was terrible. Just kidding. I was reading that. Can you turn orange um, when you do that. Yes, I think you can. Yes, yeah. that's what happened to Susan Day from the Partridge Family. Um, oh my gosh! Knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Hugh Jackman also like crash dieted, like basically only drank water. I feel like, or didn't drink, or like didn't drink water or something, just to get like the gauntness. Mm. But it's like, honey, makeup. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's when method acting goes too far for me. Right. And I mean, it's... I do get Anne Hathaway, tr- like, if she was plump, it wouldn't have worked. You know what I mean? So I think, obviously, going, but e- only eating carrots is a little extreme, but yes. maybe she only had a short amount of time. I don't know. So a little bit about the stage version. It started in French. Mm-hmm. Uh, it premiered in Paris in 1980. 
The English language version opened on the West End in 1985 and it closed in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. It's the longest running musical on the West End and the second longest running musical in the world. I was just like flabbergasted. Next to you know. Phantom. Mm-hmm. Phantom of the Opera is the number one. No. Phantom's the number one Broadway show. Oh, Broadway on Broadway. the West End. What was West End? Long, one, number one on West End. Uh, Mouse, the Mousetrap, I think. Oh, interesting. It's a play. Uh, um, musical, I... I don't know, actually. Where did I cats read that? Really cats. Okay. I was, that's what I was thinking. I was like, is it damn cats? It probably is damn cats. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it opened on Broadway in 1987, closed in 2003, which is, it's part of the top 10 longest running shows on Broadway. I think it's like number eight or seven. Yeah. Ooh, I don't remember. Yeah. But then. It closed the year, my senior year of high school, I think was either the last year or the second to last year was wild but then there was the revival in 2006 that happened mm-hmm. uh and the original show won eight out of the 12 tony awards it was nominated for yeah, in 87 everything. so it, you you if you look at the list it's like best musical best book best orchestration blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i think i th- uh was it patty lapone one or who patty lapone was fontaine and that she may have won i actually don't know for sure she won the Olivier, yeah, for uh, leading actress in a musical. Okay. Um, uh, was that for Les Mis or was that for? Um... That was for Les Mis. Okay. The 1985 wow. Lawrence Olivier Award, which is like the British Tonys. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael McGuire won for best actor in a featured role. He was Andrelos, the student. Oh yeah. 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 Um, let's let's see if I, I say that name right. I don't. Andrelos <laughs> is really hard to say. I saw Lemis several times because I grew up in Utah, and I think I've seen it. I don't know five or six times. It always came through. Like the, the tour, tour, you it, mean? It yeah. would bring it through all the time. Yeah, I remember the. Um, I think it was the second or third time I saw it. I actually saw Sutton Foster play oh, Ebony cool. when she was really young. Well, so it's really. Cool. It's funny you mentioned the tour because uh, Anne Hathaway's mom played Fontaine on the U.S. like the first U.S. tour That's of it. That's cool. What? So, Fun fact. And then Amanda Seyfried also played Young Cosette in the concert, uh, in a concert version of it. So, oh. so yeah, and like I said, a few of the students uh, either revived their roles or or reprised their roles, I should say, or um, they were moved to play a different character. But yeah, it was. I kind of wish though that like maybe they played more into that Mm -hmm. because this is after I think this was filmed when the revival closed on Broadway so like they could have around the same time yeah they could have utilized some of that cast um, is this something different but wasn't Nick Jonas in probably one of the concert versions one of the concert versions yeah Yeah. was it Australia I don't even know. Or, or yeah, he was. I remember I, Nick Jonas. I remember that I completely forgot who played Marius in this movie, and it's Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne. I know. I forgot love... that it was him. You did? I, yeah. I love Eddie Redmayne. Like that went out the window. Because such a good actor. I just am a purist, and I, obviously he would be like way too old now. But Michael Ball is always Marius to me because that's what I grew up listening to. Yeah, there, I, I did if think you he did a good job. If you look at the IMD, uh, not the IMDb, the Wikipedia page, they tell you like notable actors and actresses who played what roles throughout the, the history. Nick Jonas did play Marius on the West End. I'm seeing actually. Oh, it was on the West End. Yeah, so may, um, he was probably part of that 25th uh, yeah, concert. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, another fun fact that I read on IMDb is that. Uh, <laughs> And Hathaway's male hairdresser was cast as the double of the woman who cut her hair. <laughs> so that's amazing. It's wild. So the last time you both were on, this was the movie that you were teasing, saying that, or one of the movies that well, you said that you hated. Well, one of them. The other one you've already done. Which one was that? Phantom. Oh, yeah. I have my own little history. You have Phantom. very strong opinions <laughs> about that one too. I. Well, I Nobody wants to hear me talk about that. <laughs> so is it 
so it's it's just sounding like though you both just hate the movie not the show oh, itself. No. Oh Mal- no, Mallory is like the biggest Phantom of the Opera show fan. And same with Les Mis. I do love Les Mis. It's not my very favorite, but it's a lot of people who are near and dear to me's very favorite and it's been a big part of my life. Yeah, I do and like I the show. I feel like if you came up if you were like an 80s or 90s baby, you came up listening to Les Mis. Like that was the thing, one of the big mm-hmm. shows. Before, if you if you were into you know, musical theater, and then mm-hmm. Rent, and then yeah. Wicked, you know what I mean. If, right. if you were into theater, Les Mis was a big one for you growing up, and I think so. So for me, that is true. Um, I think I just have maybe way too high <laughs> like of, like hopes for for movie musicals, but well, I certain just, ones especially. I just I feel, feel like, like that it can be done right, and I actually ha- I'm surprisingly very optimistic about West Side Story. Yeah. Very optimistic about it. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be amazing. And obviously there are ones that have been executed so well. I loved Chicago and Hairspray. Yeah, both of those were great. And like we were blessed in 2020 with six musical movies before West Side Story. Uh, Five musical movies before West Side Story. Wait, what are they all? We got Tick, Tick, Boom. We got, okay, so starting with In the Heights. Yep. Yeah. Then September was a big time because we got, everybody's talking about Jamie. Um, We got that Cinderella movie that went to Amazon. Oh, yeah. yeah, And then we got Dear Evan Hansen. Mm -hmm. And then there was Tick, Tick, Boom. And then ending the year off uh, uh, is West Side Story. So, Six musical movies in one year. That's amazing. That's great. Yeah. And like, like I think Les Mis was the only, I'm going to say mainstream, because who knows if any other like independent musical movies came out in 2012. Uh, in 2012. Yeah. But it it's usually, you know, you get the one big one every like other year or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to have six in one year, yeah, whether or not they were, we thought they were good or not. That's amazing. Well, the and and we do, we also got the announcement of Wicked. At yes. least the top bill casting. And the top, well, yeah. that is happening, and yeah. and finally yeah. they've casted, <laughs> which is going to be directed by the guy who directed In the Heights. So that I thought In the Heights was great. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really well done. See, that's one that utilized the grandiosity i don't know if that's a real word but i'm gonna say yes uh that that uh this movie used and you guys think failed at it i uh, yeah you know what that's a really good comparison like obviously they're very different shows and Mm -hmm. uh but you know in the same way well we also got it was hamilton 2020 hamilton was the stage but the stage version but but um they're both Lin Ma- Lin Lin Manuel Miranda <laughs> Lin Manuel Miranda and uh, I don't know why his mouth his name is always a mouthful for me um, but Lin Manuel Miranda uh, they're both bo- uh, both Hamilton and In the Heights are both written by him and they are basically a rap opera in the same sense that like you know Les Mis is you know technically an very opera, operatic mm-hmm. it's opera i mean it's just like most of the dialogue is yeah. sung and um I, I agree with you i think that so that is a, an interesting comparison i they did execute it much better if in you, in the heights if you want my opinion it's because it's a more modern tale and because they did the music right right it makes a huge difference they did do the music and and i mean obviously the emotions are not the same and in the Heights, but I do think that they captured a lot of the, there, there are some really emotional parts and they did capture it in Les Mis in, in, in the Heights. Oh yeah, for sure. Really well. I don't know. I mean, I love the story of Les Mis. It's really sad, but I, I think like the through line through the whole story is that there's hope. Yes. Sort of. And, um, I, that like, you know, a single act of kindness could basically changed the trajectory of someone's life mm-hmm. and and it always yeah. felt i mean it always felt like jean valjean did want to pay his dues mm-hmm. you know after escaping parole he's like just give me a like i'm in a situation give me a second 
Yeah. Let me fin. Let me see this through, and then I'll go. Which well, yeah. Which wouldn't work these days, to tell no, you the truth. No. But <laughs> no. I mean, it seemed fair. Yeah. I want to say. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. If I, that's... Well, I mean that he was in jail in the first place because he stole a loaf of bread for his sister's kid. Right, and but then it's, he it's also not like he was like this hardened criminal. But I think they also say that he tried to escape, and that's he why did. he's there longer. That's why he was there longer. He was only in there for like it was. He says five years for what you did. What the you rest did. The rest... you tried to run. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in the novel, I think one thing that I think the musical does well, um, whether it's the film or the stage version, is it does capture um, the essence of what Victor Hugo wrote about, which right. is you know, judge not lest you be judged, basically, I think. It's like that whole idea of you can throw stones at somebody for what they did, but they could turn around and help somebody else the next moment, and you just never know. And mm-hmm. someone that follows the letter of the law can have their flaws as well and have their demons, you know what I mean? I've actually never read the book. Right. No, so. one, no one is, so. no one's perfect, and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, there's... And there's always redemption. Like, redemption, I yeah. I feel like even, even the characters that pass on, they, they at least in the musical, it's all like these little vignettes of redemptive moments, yes, right? Yes, that's so true. Like, true, yeah. Stephanie, when she goes, she's like, I love you and it's okay. And he's like, please don't go. And then she's like, good night. You know, I like that. That's, that's a great abridged, abridged version, Mallory. <laughs> it's literally like what Cliff happens. notes. <laughs> I mean, I just, I don't know. I, again, I know I'm a snob about it. I understand that I am, but that doesn't mean I'm going to let it go. Because, like, Hollywood, you have the opportunity to do something so big and so amazing. Like, hashtag do better. <laughs> Sorry. like Right. Well, and that, I think, it's crazy because I do feel like in a lot of ways, once, when Chicago came out, that was sort of the introduction back into the world of making Hollywood musicals. And... I'm going to argue it was Moulin Rouge. Yeah, Come on. Absolutely. Well, yes, but I mean, as oh, you mean like that were already adapting. Like, uh, the, yeah, adapting, adapting Broadway music. Yeah, adapt to, yeah. to film again. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. But the level at which, I mean, the level at which Moulin Rouge and Chicago, you know, they coming out the gate with Chicago and Moulin Rouge, you know, you, you kind of set the bar pretty high mm-hmm. and then things some things just really fell short after that well and we talked about this last time with moulin rouge right there were very edgy filming techniques used with that yes but the music the went other to it. elements were done the traditional way which supported that it they it wasn't everything was intentional and i don't want to you know like say that you know Lamez didn't have good intentions because I do think that it was successful in some ways, more so than other movies that we. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think the goal for all these musical movies is the same as the lives, which is like bring uh, theater, musicals, entertainment to the masses. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, yes, we can nitpick and be like, yes. what's his name wasn't great and yes what's her name like like topped out in that one song but like it did its job they did their job everyone did their job yeah and i feel like i've seen some pretty shitty movies on this podcast so or but like i definitely blame the actors less than the directorial choices yes yeah I, i feel like though this one if i had to like all the stuff, all the movies I've covered, or all the topics I've covered so far, I would put this one in the middle. It wasn't great. Yeah, yeah but it's right. Not yeah, awful. agreed. It's definitely not the worst I've seen. I, I also, <laughs> for this recording, I was dreading rewatching it because I was like, same. It's gonna be- <laughs> same. I literally said to Mel, I was like, ugh, I have to but, rewatch it. And I was like, I don't need to watch it again. I already know what I don't like about it. It's, it's not because I don't like it or hate it. It's because I know it's going to make me cry. I know it's going to put me in a really sad, depressing mood. Uh Uh, But I also know I'm going to hear some, some great talent. Yeah. (laughs) So. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, I th- I had a thought when we were talking what Mal, when Mal was saying, um, you know, about like adding those like traditional sort of broad like musical the formula mom formula formulaic. Wow, I cannot talk today. <laughs> formulaic no one can. Moments. Um, I had this I had this sort of thought, which you know about the reason why Moulin Rouge be like you said like in Moulin Rouge it it was all cohesive it was very like um methodical in the way that it was all done and I think even with Chicago that's the same thing like it was very um intuitive to like the music like what the energy of the show was on Broadway I think that they really captured all of those little nuances in a way that was so specific to that show and that's what made it so great and I don't necessarily think that they executed that with with Les Mis. I, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that I'm not entirely sure that Mr. Hooper understands how music works and I just mean that from the sense of like some of the choices with having the actors sing live and like the orchestrations and like the tempos being all over the place but then just even like the editing here and there like Chicago for example it like cuts cut cut right like the yes. cuts go with the music it goes with the tempo there's an understanding between the director the editor the music director whoever's in that room there's a coming together of like precision and execution and like not every edit needs to go on a beat or a you know, clap or a snap or a, you know, flourish or whatever, <laughs> but it can, re- like, something about musicals that makes them special is when you can have a moment, you know, whether it's on stage or on film, that something happens and it goes with the music, then that's where the music really is doing its job and playing its supporting role. Well, even like in. Th- and raising the stakes and elevating the circumstances. E- even in theater school, you know, when you're taught how to, you, you like, you're given a song to perform and you're, you do a, you make a dossier of like breaking down the beats breaking and everything. Da- yeah, yeah. Right. Your beats and, and your, yeah. your beats. And, and so, and you're doing certain things on the beat to kind of emphasize the, the story. And that's the same thing that needs to be done with the filmmaking. And I think he could have done that with the sweeping Vista shots and stuff like yeah. that with this particular musical because of the music and I don't, oh man, the, I, I'm just wishing that that had been That's the case. That's my entire beef with it, because you have an opportunity to make it so good. Like, yeah. you spent all this time, and you guys went on this, you clearly, as a cast, went on this journey. And then to not have the elements in place so that in post you can make it what you all felt while you were making it, it's mm-hmm. just a tragedy, and it's disappointing to the people like, that love the show because the show on stage is very precise. It's mm-hmm. very presentational. It's it's epic. I mean, it really and is. I do think the movie was epic. But. I mean, I know we kind of shat on I Dreamed a Dream, but, like, the way that it was one take and, like, that's where her not being in the center of the, of the shot, I think, worked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because, you know, you're going through her journey about everything. And I feel like, Mallory, you can bite my head off when I say this, but I feel like. Bite your head off. But I feel like that's one of the few moments where the singing live actually, like, helped with the storytelling and everything. Um, Did you, is there any other ones that y'all can point out that were like, that's when it worked? I think I do, I agree with you, actually, that with I Dreamed a Dream it worked better than a lot of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Actually, we'll agree with you guys on that. It didn't work in Who Am I? It didn't work in a lot of the other faster, more complex numbers. I do think it worked. I, I think Aaron Tivet killed it. I yeah. think um, Samantha Barks killed it. I think that Eddie Redmayne did a good job. You know, Empty Chairs at Empty Tables is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that... What about the Tenardiers? That was excellent. I loved did, that. Did Master of the House, though? Like, did you think it was Master of the House or their other songs? Oh. Because, like, Master of the I'm House... I'm not I, a big I, fan I, of Master of the House in the movie. Okay. That's like, fair. I felt like I was just watching Gaston in Beauty and the Beast. 
thing. <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I'm talking more, um, uh, not the physical, not the, not the visual, but like the singing live and the. I think I, I think it works later. with them. They're they're singing live. Those two lead actors, I think, in all of their well. songs because because of the characters, it's character acting, and it doesn't have to be this like incredible yeah. singing. They're kind of distinct, like like terrible characters anyway. <laughs> And so yeah, it so if they're a little off and the music, they don't go with the music, it kind of goes in a way. Is that what you're saying? It can, it can. For I'm just such a like, if if you can be on tempo, like, be yes, on tempo. yes, that that, that I do, <laughs> like, why not? Like, even the beginning, right? The look down, and like, the mm-hmm. guys are all going, like, oh, or what, and it's like so off and all over the place. And I'm like, I know uh, that's how real life would be. They were all making that noise at the same time, or I don't know. But it's not as but pleasing it's... to the ear. Yeah. That was one moment I felt like they 80 yard or like Maybe they went in afterwards yard. because you have the water, you have all this mm-hmm. other noise that could be in the in the uh, filming process. So I'm like, right. there's no way they, yeah. like they, they may have, have sung it live. On that set. Yeah. Yeah. I may have done something like, um, have you, have you seen the movie the last five years? Yes. Yeah. So I think for that, they did record live on set, but it wasn't what they were shooting. If yeah. I remember correctly. So, mm-hmm. like, maybe all the men in Lookdown at the beginning sang live on set, but, like, once they threw the water and the wind and everything else, they're like, you're just lip going to work for the just opening lip-sync. sequence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's probably true. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think it falls somewhere in the middle. It's not the worst. It's not. They're, and it's they're, definitely not the best. I mean, I can, for, for your list, Mallory, I could see it at, like, middle bottom. You know, like... Not necessarily straight in the middle, but like if we're if we're looking at the line where it's like best is on like your favorite is on one side and you're like the most horrible mm-hmm. thing is on the other side, it's like not dead center, but like a little towards the horrible side. I mean, it's better than cats. <laughs> yeah, it's better than cats. cats is amazing. You shut up. I just feel I again. I just feel like if you're gonna spend that amount of money mounting mm-hmm. a musical of that epic proportion, then it could have been done better. Just plan a little more ahead. That's all. Yeah. Like I, like I said, I feel like if they treated it, if they treat uh, musically, if they treated it more like a, a stage version, mm-hmm. that may have helped. The, at least with the music. Successful. I do. Yeah. I, um, still the, the opulence of everything. I'm just like, hmm. Which kind of makes me want to go into Sharp and Flat and talk more about Oh, that. let's do it. Great. Sharp Flat. In this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it, which we kind of talked a lot about. Uh, if we liked some, if we liked it, it's sharp. If we didn't like it, it's flat. And I have some naturals, which is neither a sharp nor a flat, but I need to talk about it some more. So, okay, sounds good. So what were your sharps? Who wants to go first? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, okay. So my sharps were what we kind of, some of the things that we have already covered, which is that I do feel like there were some really cool sweeping Vista shots. And I think that I dreamed a dream was well executed directorially, <laughs> mm-hmm. emphasizing that part of it. Um, I think that the energy and the emotion was well ca- was captured in the film. I think Hugh Jackman was a great Jean Valjean. There were some moments where I was just like, ooh. Like, I, like the same thing we said about Amanda Seyfried, where it's like, ooh, that's a little, you're straining a little too much with that high note. Yeah, but, he talked yeah. about that, because he's like, I'm a baritone, and I tried to become more of a tenor. <laughs> but Right. Like, there's... The, um. I can't remember which song it was, but one of one of the songs out of the fifty, there were fifty songs. They added a song for the movie because I think they wanted to get the Oscar for, uh, right. for best original Always. song. Yeah, because in the stage version there are forty nine songs. <laughs> they literally just added one. Uh, why not? <laughs> why not? 
Um, um, I think that's probably those. Uh, those are your sharps. For now, sharp. that's what I can think of. I might agree with some of yours too, but okay. Mallory, my my sharps are gonna be mostly um, visual. I think for me, the sharps are the production design overall mm-hmm. is really fantastic. Oh, the costuming great. is great. Um, I think that the set designers and the makeup artists and hair, everybody did fantastic. Yeah, like the people, agreed. the crew that were hired were excellent. Um, a sharp for me is Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a sharp for me is Sasha Baron Cohen. Agree a thousand percent. Aaron Tibet and Samantha Marks are both sharps for me. Yep. Um, Eddie Main would Eddie Redmayne would be like more and Hugh Jackman. Neutral. They're more naturals for me. <laughs> um, Russell Crowe is a Russell no. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. He wasn't the worst thing, but like I agree. No, I... he wasn't, but. I just you know, <laughs> uh, you know what it is is I'm comparing I think he's a tremendous actor especially earlier in his career like one of my favorite movies that he's in is a western called The Quick and the Dead with Sharon Stone and he's really great in it um, and I also think that Gerard Butler is a pretty fine actor on the acting side of things and I think maybe I'm kind of like putting them in the same category that they shouldn't be in musicals in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. but having said that Russell Crowe, he's—it's like this. He's a little bit higher on the scale to me, so I'll—I'll I'll give him a, a like a half of a point back. Okay, great. <laughs> yes, I convinced somebody. <laughs> when Moulin, when he was like on the red carpet for Moulin Rouge, they asked him if he would ever be in a musical, and he was like, "No, like they should be separate." Well, blah blah blah. Like, and then and then he was in this. Oh no! Because oh, no. he was. Oh, you're there. Okay, okay. I clicked on something and I thought I closed it. Oh my god. Okay, well, so. he was. He was. He has a band or had a band, if I remember correctly. Yeah, like a rock band. So, like, mm-hmm. he can carry a tune. Yeah, he had matched the yeah, pitch. Yeah, he matched the pitch. That's I mean, <laughs> um, I agree with you when he's part when he's in a scene with uh, Hugh Jackman. It's like you're you're out, <laughs> tap out, you're done. Yeah, but like Stars was okay. I didn't. My ears weren't bleeding. Let's put it that way. Um, I wouldn't choose to listen to it. No, no, no. But like, if you're watching the movie and you yeah. get stars, you're like, okay, it could have been worse. Is what I'm saying. I'm gonna, I'm gonna could save be my worse further commentary for could when we get her. <laughs> right. Um. So I, I agree with Helena Bonham Carter, Sasha Baron Cronin. I'm gonna add Anne Hathaway. Like, um, I, I like to reference her winning the Oscar for I Dream to Dream every time I ugly cry, where I'm just like, where's my Oscar? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, this is so random. I fucking loved the Santa moment in <laughs> in Master oh, of the I House. I about that. Oh, yeah. He, I was just like, this is amazing. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> um, um, I'm gonna shout out some songs. I Dream to Dream, Master of the House. I actually did like a heart full of love. I know that like they get very breathy at the end because it's so high for all three of them, but like that trio was so good. Like, because it was Amanda, Seyfried, um, uh, I almost said Jean Valjean. That's not the actor's name. <laughs> <laughs> it, Hugh Jackman and Eddie Redmayne. Like the the three of them, I felt like worked well together in that song. Um, and then Valjean's death. Uh, I know it's, I know that's really weird to shout out, but like when fucking Anne Hathaway walks in yes. singing, Usually I am. That's the prettiest part of the whole show. But it... like, I am dead. I am, mm-hmm. I am, I am waiting for my Oscar ugly crying. Like, yeah. yes. Uh, uh, there is just gorgeous. I know in the stage version though, uh, for that moment, Eponine is also supposed to come out, or at mm-hmm. least that's what happened in some versions. But like yes, the, the Fontaine sings with her. There's like a harmony thing that goes on. But like I like that they cut her because it just makes sense. In the like, film, it did. Yeah, make for sense. sure. Yeah. Yeah, because he ne- he never crossed paths with Eponine, so why yeah. would she be would there? She so the- in the movie, it would it would definitely have it been plays strange. On stage and does not play in the film. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that is a sharp choice. Okay, so from my natural. Um, like I said, I just need to highlight it because I need to talk about it some more. 
it's everything we complain about. It's the opulence and the cinematography <laughs> where I'm just like, I don't like it. I don't hate it. It's both at the same time. Like the the weird ones is when it's like you get basically from the torso up mm-hmm. in like the bottom right corner of the shot and the, the person standing beside a wall and like you get majority wall. And I'm like, this, I don't, why? 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 It doesn't stand the test of time. I feel like that was a very trendy filming technique for a lot of just movies at that time. But it didn't lend to the specific show. And like no. I said, I do think that they were kind of going for this sort of like guerrilla style. I don't even know. I maybe maybe I'm grasping at straws here, but I feel that's sort of what the vibe I got was that it yeah, was sort of. I agree with you. Like I didn't understand it during at the end of the day because. Mm-hmm that's a group number so you want like i don't know why you want to highlight a person like a a, a soloist because there is no soloist so doing shots like that i was just like this doesn't make sense and then like there's a few times they he does that to amanda seyfried and it's like why (laughs) why but like but like we said it worked for um anne hathaway and i dreamed a dream Mm -hmm. so Pick your battles, I guess. <laughs> totally. Totally. Um, okay. The moment that Mallory has been waiting for since we started. What are your flats? <laughs> There's so many to name. <laughs> I think I already said I mean, a lot Russell, of them. I mean, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe's a flat for me. Um, Amanda Seyfried is a flat to me. Yeah, I mean, even though I liked her yeah, as an actress, generally. The performance is a flat for me as well. Um... It's just the general lack of it, what it plays as to me is the general lack of care of the show in its original form. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that, you know, other directors like Rob Marshall with Chicago, uh, who directed Hairspray? I can't even remember right now. But I feel like those directors took the essences of the Broadway show and brought elements of them to the film. And worked with it, whereas I feel like this is sort of fighting and said, against like, it. like, hey, I want to make sure that the built-in fan base of this show is excited and happy when they leave the theater, you know? Or that there's mo- at least a couple moments that they're going to enjoy. And I feel like this was more, to me, it felt more like an experiment in acting as a whole. Oh. <laughs> and I don't think that that's successful for a show. Coming in hot. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, not sorry. And I feel like that happens no. in a lot of movie musicals. It makes sense because I'm, I'm, I was thinking about other ones. Um, so like Rent, for example. They, would it have worked if they didn't make this fully sung through? If they took some of the songs and made it actual dialogue like i i know that they did it feels like they did that with some moments because there was dialogue Mm -hmm. but if they did that more could it have been i don't even know because i was so disappointed with that movie too yeah yeah it was it also just seemed half-assed that movie just totally seemed exactly half-assed both movies do not feel like the follow-through is there and I, think, I mean, I think that this was gonna, a much bigger budget. I'm yes, go a, a, a much, much, much bigger budget, half ass. I'm going to go on a limb and say that, like, I don't think that the intention was to half ass it at all. But I think that the tactics that were used to make the film, it unfortunately, be, from my perspective, became this well, this is what we have, so let's make it the best we can with what we have, rather than let's make the best film we can. Right. Like, don't, I know it's an epic. You don't have to make it an epic. Make it. Well, yeah, it's almost like, did, did it, did they maybe bite off more than they could chew? I don't even mind the epic. And then maybe then. if you're going to go epic, then follow then through. Then go epic. It. Yeah. Right. Like, did they bite off more than they can chew and didn't realize how epic it was going to be or needed to be? And then by the time they realized that it was too late, maybe, I don't know. So. These are my flats. Take them or leave them. Um, I'm going to start off the whiteness of the cast. Yeah. Don't, yes. don't give me any of this bullshit. Like, you know, we're, we're doing period or what the fuck ever. Everyone's singing what they're talking. Like we're in, we're in a fantasy world. Give me. It's a musical. Me, if it's a musical. It's a musical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I also didn't. I also am flatting the um, the diet of Anne Hathaway and, yes, and Hugh Jackman. Yeah, the method acting diet. I'm not like sure. she has gone on record after the fact, being like, "This is what I did. Don't do it." But and I kind of regret it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that. I think it was in Master of the House or whatever. But like they cut a cat's tail off, and I was just like, "Again, why?" <laughs> Why is this here? Um, I never which, noticed that. I didn't. E- I haven't. I didn't either. Or I oh, it from my mind. Yeah, I guess. That's, um, terrible. Oh yeah. I I I I was watching it. I was just like, did they really just cut a cat's tail off? Like I know they they didn't because ASPCA right. and all the and all those other people would be up their asses. Sarah McLaughlin will just start come, singing. Come for you. I also didn't like how dark the lighting was. I mean, I know it's miserable and depressing, but like, yes. could we see their faces a little bit? <laughs> I agree with you. The overall bluish tone, we wanted a break from it sometimes. I think mm-hmm. my other flat, which I think Mallory has already stated, was the orchestration and how, and just overall the music just kind of fell flat but intended and i remember the song that i didn't like q jackman singing it was bring him home oh wow yeah yeah that was forgettable in that movie that was rough that's like one of the most memorable songs in the show the memorable moment have you seen the video of like the five valjean singing it and it's like beautiful I don't think it was part of the 25th concert, but I think it was some sort of like special, special concert or something or like on a on a late night program or something. But they said it's beautiful because they added some Paul harmonies. Settle. Yeah. No. Well, Wait, yes, but they, they added, added. Sorry. What did you they say? Add, they-, they added harmonies in a way. Yeah. So when they sing, bring him home, like there's you hear all five voices yeah. and it's beautiful uh would you add any of the songs from the movie to your life's playlist i'm assuming the answer is no <laughs> i hope not <laughs> i'm gonna be simon cow um, that's a no for me <laughs> yeah, i mean it's- I, uh maybe not my, my life's but i feel like in my i've related to um maybe on my own on my own i feel like i related to that like a little bit but i'm not gonna lie i really did like i i normally hate child actors i like the children in this movie yes like you little don't like co- child actors i feel like there's good, some good ones oh there's few and far between <laughs> <laughs> i'm ve- i'm very critical because sometimes i'm like you don't you're just saying words you don't understand yeah. what you're doing but like <laughs> But like the little Cosette in this movie, I was just like, "You're good." Like, yeah, you got you understood the assignment. Yeah. I'll give you an A plus. Gavroche too. Gavroche was was great. I'm gonna give him though an A minus. He could okay. have done more. Okay. Um, we didn't really see little Eponine, so she's fine. <laughs> yeah, she's barely in the show anyway. Like, she just comes on. I think honestly, they have her in the show. Because like five they seconds. Have, they but... alternate little Cosettes. And I think that they're like, when you're not little Cosette, you'll be little Eponine. Right. If it's something like what they did for the Matilda mm-hmm. stage version is that they had uh, one Matilda on stage and then another one like backstage just standing by in case something happened. And then yeah. there were two other Matildas that would go on like the next day. Right. Yeah, they'd broke Yeah, it. with kids, it's tough on, in theater, especially because it's a grueling schedule. But... The other thing too that I I I'm now just realize remembering like the fact that they show Gavroche getting murdered is is something that like they broke one of the oldest rules in Hollywood, Doesn't but yeah. in a way because like you don't see the bullet pierce him, you don't there like he doesn't get stabbed or something. So, um, in a way, they kind of broke the rule of like not showing a kid dying but they kind of did and i i give them credit for that because that's ballsy that is that is yeah well and in the show you see him right it's it's a it's worse yeah (laughs) from what literally like falls on the pile of people yeah so and like you gotta remember it's lame is almost everyone dies Mm -hmm. spoiler alert but like 
what am I spoiling? It's called The Miserable for a reason. Yeah. If you don't, if you go into it expecting a song and dance or Kiss Me Kate, you're going to be supremely disappointed. <laughs> you get one song and dance number yeah. and that's Master of the House. Yep. That's it. <laughs> and on that note, we're done with the episode. Wow. Uh, is there anything y'all want to plug or promote? Yeah, we we have a an EP coming out February 11th, and uh, we are going to be doing a big show here in Nashville for that. But we will post those details when yeah, we have more doing, info on that. Doing some online release engagement stuff too. Yeah. So. Still social distancing because, you know, the Miss Rona is around. She's around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, They're actually, most of the venues here in Nashville require a vax card or a negative COVID test. um, Which I think, I think that's now like standard everywhere, Mm -hmm. you know, bring your vax card or a negative test. Yeah. Um, Mallory's Mallory's getting her booster tonight. I am. And I'm getting mine tomorrow. Good, good. I got mine the other day, so. <laughs> uh, uh, so where can people find this information out? Uh, okay, so you could just go to our website, www.crimsoncalamitymusic.com, or you can follow us on Instagram, either for the band or the podcast. The band's Instagram handle is at crimson, the letter C, music, and the handle for the podcast is at the liner notes pod, so and where you want to find us and remind everyone what is the liner notes pod liner notes podcast is um a a music podcast um where we do deep dive interviews reviews and performances with indie artists and um just kind of chat about their backstories and recording process and writing process and we have them perform and we have a drink together and it's a great time we call them audio time or audio Audio capsules. Capsules. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> do you do you get to play with them or are they Sometimes. play? Sp- yeah, we, like we we have them play live on the podcast, and we've had a couple people uh, have us come sing with them or play guitar with them or whatever. Yeah, it's and then fun. we do uh, some episodes too where we do like a muse of the month, and we'll sing one of their songs. Cover. cover yeah, we that. did Stevie Nicks in October, and we did Dolly in December, and. Dolly should be every month, in my opinion. Know, right? Yeah, well, we actually are doing a couple of different episodes on her because there's too much to talk about. Just do one. I mean, it, it if she dies, <laughs> she she needs to become a saint. Like, yeah. that woman, um, not only did she, like, help fund, or she funded Moderna, or she was part she of... She was instrumental in Donated the over research. millions, like, at least a million dollars more than that i think I think more than that but and yeah. like i've i've seen videos of her like donating or helping out with the homeless shelters uh mm-hmm. in um everywhere or is it just tennessee yeah. well so she there was a big fire in her hometown a couple of years ago and so many thousands of people were affected by it and for one year she gave each family a thousand dollars a month oh <gasps> My God, I fucking love that woman. And she, yeah, I mean, she also gives kids in Tennessee books. That's it. That's what I, yes. Um, Her parents were illiterate, so she uh, is very passionate about that. And then I know she has, there's a documentary of her on one of the streaming services. Y'all need to watch it. Yeah. Not, not YouTube, but like the the listener, everybody. Queen yeah. Dolly. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think Dolly is also a queen or you want to defend Les Mis, you're more than welcome to. Oh, you absolutely. can email me at buttasongpod at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at buttasongpod. Tell me uh, what you thought about Russell Crowe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you love him. Maybe you love him. Uh, I know, like, Dolly has, like, little musical movies mm-hmm. on Netflix, but ha- is there, like, an actual jukebox musical with of her music? Well, no, not of all her music. I guess you could kind of say that 9 to 5 is oh, true. the stage version of the, of the show. 
which she was in the movie and she wrote the song for the movie and everything. But the the stage the version stage has... version of the show I think does use a few. I'm gonna say a handful of her songs, but um, there should right. be one about her. I agree. I don't know if it needs to be about her life, but like use her music. Yeah. yeah. Do... I mean, she's got a giant catalog, so it could be done very easily. Do like Mamma Mia, but like not Mamma Mia. <laughs> like Dolly. But like all Dolly music, yes. I uh, mean, yes, it needs to have glitter, lots of it. Oh my god. And it Big hair. Wildflowers, because that was that was like the song she wrote about Oh my god, you know what? Her they dreams. Take that um Netflix movie movie Dumplin' and turn it into a musical and use all Dolly songs. On oh stage. yeah, actually that would be a really good idea. Yeah. Ooh. I agree. Somebody do that. Because she wasn't she a uh, an executive She's a producer, producer, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think she also wrote a song for it. Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised. That woman does everything. I don't know when she sleeps. Um, <laughs> she also was a producer of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Hey yo, boom! And if you want to be part of the next episode's conversation, we're going to be talking about Funny Face, the Audrey Hepburn movie. Hooray! Mallory and Lauren, thank you so much. Okay, so we did a movie you love, a movie you hate. If you come back on, we're going to find something that you both are like, meh about. How's that? Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. I'll report back after I go to West Side Story. I'll text you and let you know what I think. Oh, <laughs> I hear such great things about it, though. I have heard great things, too. I trust Steven Spielberg. He's a great filmmaker. It's his first musical. Mm-hmm. Ever. Uh, anyway, let's just say goodbye. Yes, we can talk about <laughs> we can talk this. All day about talk, about, it. talk about musicals all day. But, we should do a uh, special episode where we do Dreamcast, your favorite musical. I love that. Ooh, I may have, I may take you up on that offer. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, bye for now, everyone. Bye, have a good day. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.